coming up on this episode of Inside the Epicenter. When we look at the Independence Day of Israel, 1948, we see it as a catastrophic thing. People lost their homes, like my grandparents, people were kicked out. And in a sense, there is certain truth to that. There is a catastrophic uh, consequences for the Palestinians. Can a peacemaker come from Gaza? We say yes, and you will meet him. Hi, welcome to Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund, and today we have a very special episode. Growing up, Khalil was filled with bitterness towards the Jewish people after witnessing airstrikes and violence in his hometown. He was raised believing that Israel was responsible for all of his suffering. As a member of Gaza's small Christian minority, Khalil was frequently harassed for his faith and struggled with his identity and place in Palestinian society. After the 2008 war between Israel and Hamas, Khalil moved to the West Bank, where he was greatly transformed by the power of the gospel and the witness of other Christians. As he began following Christ, Khalil seized the challenge to love his enemy and gradually became capable of removing the bitterness and anger he felt toward both Jews and Muslims who had mistreated him. Here's his story as he talks it over with Joel Rosenberg. I want to introduce uh, my dear friend, Khalil Sayeg, and for our conversation about what's it like to be a Palestinian follower of Jesus. Khalil, would you join me? Um, one of the ways we got to know each other originally was that the Joshua Fund runs a, an annual retreat, both on the Israeli side and the Palestinian side, for all the Israeli pastors and ministry leaders and their wives who are able to attend in a given year. Roughly, it's about, in any given year, it's about two-thirds of them that attend uh, a several-day conference studying the Word of God, praying, worshiping together. It's called Preach the Word, Shepherd the Flock, to encourage, to refresh our Israeli brothers and sisters. We do the exact same retreat either a few days before or a few days later in the West Bank with the Palestinian pastors and ministry leaders and their spouses. And uh, roughly 95% of the Palestinian ministry leadership attends that uh, conference were hosted by the Palestinian Evangelical Council, as it were. They are our host, and we are there to support and encourage. And uh, Khalil has been one of the attendees, excuse me, um, and that's where we got to know each other uh, at these Bible conferences and just sitting and having meals together. And, and then we started a, a project together, and we launched, uh, well, I launched the All Israel News side, and on our advisory board, uh, Khalil became a founding um, member of launching the All Arab News side. And uh, we've done a lot of things. It's been an interesting year. We just finished our first year of uh, operations. But he's also in graduate school now here in Washington, so it was a, it's a particular joy to actually get to sit with you again and, and chat. Khalil, thank you. Let, let, yeah, start, start with your background. What's it like, what was it like for you to grow up in Gaza, what kind of family were you raised in, and 
What did you think of Israel and the Jewish people? Because it's not obvious that you and I would be sitting together uh, <laughs> if I knew you, you know, a number of years ago. So, yeah, thank you, Joel, for having me. Um, so was born and raised in the Gaza Strip to uh, a family that are considered refugee. Uh, so my uh, grandparents originally came from the city called uh, Majdal in the southern part of modern state of Israel, today called Ashkelon. So I grew up learning about uh, this paradise that we lived in before 1948. You know, uh, in the words of uh, Mahmoud Darwish, we lived in the paradise in 40, before 48. 48, we are in the fallen, and now we are waiting for uh, the restoration. In that way, the Palestinian narrative uh, bring the things. And what is the restoration? Is the liberation of Palestine? So is to uh, liberate the entire land of Palestine. In, in a sense, it's to kick out all, all the Jews there. So I in grew up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And I grew up with uh, such a deep grievances for what happened in 1948, for what is the, the source of all the suffering I'm living through, uh, on the one hand, because of history. On the other hand, it's day-to-day things that are happening. You know, I'm going to UNRWA school, a particular school for refugees. My parents are telling me about the horrible things happened to us in 1948. And my first interaction with the Jews was Second Intifada Air Forces coming to the sky of Gaza and palming places was terrified, looked to my mother, and I said, who the hell is doing this? And she said, well, it's the Jews. seven years old, right? I was only six or seven years old. So this is my first interaction. So why not to hit Israel? Why not to hit the Jews when all what I'm educated about is negative thing, and what I'm experiencing day to day is not making sense to me, and the people who are explaining it to me are explaining it in a particular narrative that make you even more angry to the Jews. In even in church? Yeah, it is, it's, it's everywhere because, as I said, the historical narrative of Nakba is something that you, you are buying and then it continues. For us... Define al-Nakba uh, well, term. Well, well, Nakba is an Arabic word that means catastrophe. And we, when we look at the Independence Day of Israel, 1948, we see it as a catastrophic thing. People lost their homes like my grandparents. People were kicked out. And in a sense, there is certain truth to that. There is a catastrophical uh, consequences for the Palestinians. However, it's been stretched more than what it's supposed to be. And uh, for us, it's like everything happening today is a continuation of Nakba. So air forces coming to the skies of Gaza and bombing, it's not just a self-defense or whatever. In our narrative, it's more like a continuation of ethnically cleansing the Palestinians that started with Nakba in 48. So I grew up very angry. I grew up filled with hate. Yet, on the other hand, I also grew up with a lot of persecution from my Muslim peers uh, because I'm Christian, right? Although I wasn't a believer, but I was born to be. Yeah. And you would have described yourself in that time as a radical. Well, I would, because if, if you really believe that you want to kick all the Jews out of the land, if you really believe that rockets attack on civilians indiscriminately uh, is okay, and if you really accept or even justify suicide bombers, I would say you are a radical, and I, I believe I was, uh, although I was a a kid, I don't think I was fully mature enough to, to make decisions, but I would, I would call myself an ex-radical in a that radical sense. radical Christian jihadist. <laughs> uh, not, not born again, but uh, it's not just Islamist. There was a turning point. What was the turning point spiritually? And I mean, that, well, that was the key point. Uh, sure. So when Hamas controlled Gaza in 2006, uh, everything shifted in the society in the Gaza Strip. Not to say that uh, Gaza was a heaven on earth before 2006. It was still a horrible place to be in. But, and let's know, uh, just, just for context, 2005, Israel made the decision to pull completely out. There's not a single soldier 
or civilian living in Gaza as of the end of 2005, August of 2005. And then Hamas took over in 06. Sure. Matter of fact, because we live in, in, in this era, it's very similar to what is happening in Afghanistan today. When I looked at the pictures of what's happening in Afghanistan, I saw this famous picture of Taliban members taking off the pictures of uncovered women. I just remembered my neighborhood. I remembered Hamas doing the exact thing in, in Gaza. And for us, like just... Anyone that wasn't a woman that yeah, wasn't wearing, that wearing, wearing hijab. And for us in Gaza... Just the Hamas singling that is just telling you that this is the type of society we're going to have. It's Islamic, Islamist society, and people who are unveiled, people who are not Muslims, are unwelcomed here. And this was a turning point for us as a Christian community there because all of a sudden, even in my school, I had to leave the the part where uh, I'm only persecuted from some people at school to being persecuted even by your own teachers who came to be Hamas members. And it turns really uh, worse than that. And after the first war between Hamas and, uh, and Israel 2009, I decided to move to the West Bank looking for freedom. In the West Bank, it was just amazing to me coming to Ramallah. It's a bigger city, more freedom. There is, comparing to Gaza, I mean, very conservative Islamic society. There is alcohol, all their stuff. And I thought, that is freedom, right? I just get into alcohol. I start getting drunk every night. And I thought that this is the solution. This is liberty, Right. But it just got me worse and worse uh, in my own uh, inner being and how I feel. And I turned 18 being totally uh, have no meaning for my life. And at this point, two people preached the gospel for me for the first time in my life. Um, never heard the gospel, although I grew up as a Greek Orthodox Christian. And I never read the Bible too. And they are preaching the gospel to me and challenged me to start reading the gospel of John. And when I read the gospel of John, man, something struck me about the personality of Jesus. And I just fell in love with him. And uh, I decided by myself in my room that I want to follow this uh, God who is just amazing. And I found myself bowing to the ground and giving my life to Jesus. And this is, was the turning point that uh, just changed all my uh, morals and my uh, point of views to everything and then led to a different perspective on the conflict as well. Did you have in your life men older than you, at least older than you in the faith, who could help you grow in your faith, that disciple you both in the word of God, but also how to connect the word of God to your, your moral life, your social life, your political life? Well, I would say into the, on, on the moral basis, yes, and the Sabbath, right? I was really blessed to be uh, mentored and, and pastored by Pastor Josanide, who you personally know, and he's great f- friend still, now in California. Uh, he's an American-Palestinian. Uh, he really brought a lot of time to my life, almost meeting every day, uh, reading the scripture together and teaching me how to live my, my life. But sadly, I would say the Palestinian church, when regard to the social political issues, they are more on the side of Palestinian nationalist thing and the way they understand everything. And they wouldn't describe themselves this way. So, uh, excuse me, but they, they would say they, are, they, they more adopt Palestinian liberation theology, right? But to me, like Palestinian liberation theology is really a uh, a nationalist theology. It's looking at the scripture and at theology from the perspective of a nationalist Arabist or Palestinian. So it's uh, that was a challenge for me. Uh, no pastor would um, really agree with what I would think because I just realized that um, not realized, I just came to a different conclusions that uh, the Palestinian church have came to, and uh, for a while it was a wilderness for me. I was alone, I didn't speak English at that time, so I couldn't access 
sound uh, theological uh, perspectives on social and political issues. Had to learn English the hard way on YouTube so I can <laughs> read books. And uh, yeah, so. It went well. You, you got it. Thank you. <laughs> I think one of the things that's important for you all to know about the Joshua Fund is that our role in coming alongside, if, if we're wanted, if there's some way to be helpful and encouraging to our Palestinian evangelical brothers and sisters, we are not there to change their politics or their eschatology. Because eschatology, we could say, well, we're probably unified all that we believe Jesus is coming back. <laughs> After that, it pretty much breaks down, Right. Is God giving the land of Israel to the Jewish people? As he gets, you know, is there a millennial kingdom where there's a thousand years of Jesus reigning and Israel gets the whole land grant? That, that's just not a topic we talk about. I'm honest in, about what I believe, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to be shy, but I, I think one of the things that's important is, can you be a true born-again follower of Jesus and disagree? Right? Often people think you're betraying your tribe if you break bread, literally or figuratively, with someone who you have strong political or other type of disagreements or theological disagreements. And I would say, you know, I mean, you and I have a lot of areas of agreement, but there's a lot of areas that we would say we probably don't agree, but we're not disagreeable. And I think that's a challenge, both in the Messianic body, there's huge theological differences. In the Palestinian believing community, there's huge differences, but there's also all this political tension all around it. How have you navigated it? Because I think in many ways, Khalil, you're not alone and you're not unique, but it's difficult. I've watched our brothers and sisters on both sides of the green line, as it were, struggle. Do I want to get to know a Palestinian Christian? Or, and does reconciliation mean, well, sure, as long as you surrender your, your theological and political views, then I'll have fellowship. These are big challenges in our yeah. neck of the woods, as they say. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I wouldn't claim I, fi- I had it figured out. As you said, yeah. it's, it's such a complex uh, issue. But um, you and I definitely disagree in, in eschatology. I would define myself more into the covenantal side of things. I don't really, I'm not into prophecies and all things. I had respect. I think there is a, a what I would call the mystery of Israel. And I don't claim to completely understand that or, or, or comprehend it. I think there is a mystery in there. And I personally uh, don't think that I understood that mystery. In politics, we also disagree. Uh, I really believe that Palestinians uh, are people who deserve a state and should get it today, if that's possible or possible. I don't think it's possible, unfortunately, because of many other geopolitical reasons I wouldn't get into. But yeah, these, these are things we disagree on, and, and it's okay to disagree on. But I really believe there are things that you cannot disagree on. And this is where I am um, very critical of our uh, Palestinian Christian uh, leaders and also messianic leaders. And this would be when you try to strip the other people from their humanity, despite that you are not saying that you are. But here I would give you some examples. One of these uh, liberation, Palestinian liberation theologian statement that sadly most of the evangelical and Protestant leaders have signed, it has this one statement where it says, we, although we support peaceful resistance against Israel, we respect all forms of resistance. And resistance, the word muqawama, it means all sort of attacks on Israel. This includes suicide attacks. This includes rockets attack that kill children 
and civilians. This is not a just war sort of war. This is terrorism. So if you are saying that you support all sort of resistance, although you or, or you respect them, although you, you are ad- adhering to a peaceful resistance, I think you are stripping Israelis from their humanity. And this is where agree to disagree on. This is something that if you want to be prophetic about, you have to speak to your people and say, no, killing children, blowing up passes, blowing up pizza places in Jerusalem is not okay. It should not be okay at all. And same on the other side, when the uh, Israelis speak about like, oh, well, there's nothing called Palestinians. Well, what about us? Like, <laughs> who are we? This is something where I feel like it's first step leading to dehumanize the Palestinians because all of a sudden killing a Palestinian or taking his home or whatever is something that is okay and I don't think it is okay. Now, whether two-state solution, one-state solution, all this stuff, we, we can disagree on that. I don't, I don't have problem with, with all of that. As long as you are aware of the humanity of the other, as long as you are unwilling to strip them from their humanity and justify any form of terrorism, whether it's from settlers, whether it's from Hamas or Fatah or whoever. This is the red line for me that I'm, so why, I'm willing to cross. Why, did you, why were you willing to attend the Preach the Word, Shepherd the Flock conferences that we do uh, in the West Bank? I don't want to say where because it's a, still a sensitive issue uh, for security. But why did you come? Knowing you've got a Jewish believer, um, you've got, I wasn't Israeli when we started it, but I became two sons in the army. It didn't seem like the obvious group to come alongside and strengthen our brothers and sisters. Like, and, and many of the leaders were like, I don't think that's a good idea, but they chose to do it, but you didn't have to choose to come. Why didn't you? Well, I'm, trying, have you? I'm trying to remember first time I came. It was 2015, 16. I'm not, I'm not sure of the, or 14 even. I don't know when did you guys start it, but was pretty early on. And I was still in the journey of searching for my theological understanding, for my political understanding. I was like 20 years old, who is just uh, have been two or three years in faith, who is really fed up by the political situation, fed up by leaders who are willing to dehumanize the other, are also frustrated by the amount of lies I grew up thinking about the other side, right? I'm just here all of a sudden seeing that Israelis look just much more like me than I thought, right? And it's frustrating that I grew up not thinking that. Uh, so I was willing to meet with everyone. Uh, matter of fact, first Israelis I ever met in my life were the settlers, people who are considered the right-wing radicals, right? Which there's a lot of them are radicals, but a lot of them are just nice, great people who I disagree with them completely on politics. And I think to an extent that maybe they should leave Judea and Samaria, but I, they're great people, they're friends. So I would meet with everyone. That was my position in there. And then I developed first... First, I, was, I think, a relationship with Jeremy, and he just got to know him such a sincere, great man of God, and uh, he helped me a lot through One of the guys uh, who my faith. With and, the, the yeah. I think that the other thing, let's be clear, uh, since they've never been there, is that um, we're a politics-free zone. Okay? I talk about geopolitics, but I don't even talk about that when we do the conference. This is a Bible retreat. We, we, the first year we taught through Titus, verse by verse. The sec- and that was during a rocket war. <laughs> and um, then the next year we went through, uh, I think it was James, and then we went through First Thessalonians, and we've been working our way through batches of Acts over the years. We're studying the Word of God together. We're worshiping Arabic and English, time of fellowship, prayer, lots of coffee, lots of baklava. It's all very good, almost too good. So it's really important that we, we just say, look, we all have our views, but that's not what this is. This is here for... 
spiritual rich oxygen. And, uh, and I think that has made it possible. I think there was always suspicion that we had an, a real agenda. Oh, you know, when we, I think it was about 10 years ago we started. So you, so you really are here just to turn us all into Zionists. And that's not the, not the why we're there. And um, you're here to make sure we all believe in the rapture and we all believe in, you know, the greater Israel. And we all, you know, no, we're here to serve. But it's always interesting the numbers over time kept clicking up of the number of Palestinian evangelical ministry leaders, pastors and their wives and a few key young leaders who only 40 came the first year. And I think Last, before COVID, we were at about 120, 130, which represents about 95%, which builds a lot of trust. But I think in part of it, it's because it's a political free zone. Um, no, I agree. And when there's I... not that many political free zones um, <laughs> in our area. Well, well, to be honest, there were this debate in the inner evangelical Palestinian uh, community about the conference. You know, there are um, like just of two years ago, I think, or three years ago, there were this a professor who wrote an article of don't go to this conference, it's yeah. dangerous, and kind of to an extent inciting against it. But there were, this opened the debate between the, the different leaders or even young people about like, who are these people? And everyone kind of know who you are now. You know, you're a Zionist, a dispensationalist, all that, but... I'm the uh, worst case <laughs> poster child. And 21 years ago, briefly, but I still, I did work for Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, this is like writing a script for, there's never, we're never going to work together. And that's is always cited in Arab articles. Yeah, sure, I, I get um, it. So there were this debate, but people came to the conclusion, especially the people who attended, that despite the fact that this is what these people believe in, we are still going to attend because we're not really talking about this stuff. And we sense the love. And this is very important. This is the love, this is the fellowship, and this sense that they are welcomed, respected, and this is uh, very important to them. Our verse of the day today is found in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, and 15. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Okay, well... What's the Arabic word, the Palestinian Arabic, for dayenu, for this alone would be enough? Is there a word that sort of captures that, that sense? Uh, not that they can Okay, we'll have to now, come up with yeah. one. It would have been enough for us to build a friendship and to you be part of, well, us be a part of your life. You know, it's your lives there. We're coming to serve if, it, if it's considered truly service and loving. But then you went further and helped me figure out this idea, like, if I'm going to start all Israel news, I, I have to start an all Arab news. I can't have this be my brand that I love both sides and want to treat both sides with love and respect, even if I disagree with either side on things. Uh, we have to start an all Arab news, but I can't just start it as an Israeli. Like, I, I, there needs to be a Palestinian Arab at least advising us. And you, I, I think it's a big deal that you helped us advise us and continue to remain on our advisory board, why did you do it? What, how do you see media bias? What is necessary? Why are the, these websites important? And why were you willing to take the risk of dealing with me? Yeah, well, well, I took the risk longer before that, which I'm already like an outspoken about peace with That's Israel. That's true. I, 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 I failed to mention uh, that you're also a, a fellow 
with the Philos Project, which is really, a, uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about that as well, just so you tie it together, your overall mission. Yeah, well, I start with Philos. It's a nonprofit organization that is based in New York City, and we are trying to advocate for positive Christian engagement in the Middle East. What we do is focused on Israel and its neighbor. We bring students and other key leaders to Israel and uh, Palestinian territories, Jordan and Egypt, for free trips, usually that they will be educated about their faith, geopolitical situation, all this sort of stuff. And the idea is to uh, help people understand and to be involved better in how to help the Christian community, the Jewish people, and all sort of uh, the good guys in, in, in the neighborhood. Uh, so I've been involved with that since years, and big part of what I did was gathering young Palestinians and Israeli Jews, unbelievers, uh, together in Bethlehem, in Jerusalem, and kind of trying to uh, just discuss politics and trying to figure out how can we coexist in this land. Because So the media site becomes part of that mission for so, you. So how, how this led to the media, this to just say that I was, I was like already on YouTube, I was already uh, like right. some sort of like, I'm already like, everyone knows who I am, what I believe. When you approached me, I had to think about it, to be honest, because this is not only the uh, Israeli side of things, but this is also Christian Zionist, right? And, and all this, this thing. So I, I was uh, worried about that part, but uh, I think it was the moment that is, it was such a historical moment with everything happening with the uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, the sort of people you were having from United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Muslims. Right, all some of the together. advisory board members are some of the most prominent and, and powerful Muslims in the region to serve on our advisory board. Sheikh Mohammed Al Isa, he's the head of the Muslim World League, the largest nonprofit, non governmental Muslim organization on the planet in 139 countries a senior advisor to the Crown Prince of the United Arab Emirates, Dr. Ali uh, Rashid al-Nuwaymi. So these were heavy hitters. So I was looking at the Palestinian situation at that time politically, and I said, we are losing already. We are just tipping ourselves uh, in, in the back, not the people is tipping us. We are just attacking United Arab Emirates. We are attacking Saudi Arabia. And these were the biggest funders of the Palestinian authorities for years. And I said, well, if all these people are joining this movement, we better do as Palestinians ourselves. And, and our leadership was clearly not joining this force. But I said, at least we as Christians should. We should try at least. And this came at the moment when the international media were not covering the stuff happening in the Middle East as it's supposed to be covered. It was a lot of uh, narrative, political narrative into it. And you could disagree whether the peace with the United Arab was the most important thing or with the Palestinians would be most important. But one thing you can deny that it's historical. One thing you can deny that it could bring something good for the region. And as I argued before, it would bring good things to the Palestinians, as it already did, by the way. Not a lot of people acknowledge that, but it did. It stopped the annexation. What else could have stopped Benjamin Netanyahu from annexing the West Bank, but United Arab Emirates were able to do. So this just pushed me more to, to join you, uh, not to mention our great friendship, of course. Well, you can see friendship requires or can lead to trust. If you can begin to trust each other, then you say, listen, uh, you're going to occasionally write an article or do an interview for the site that I may disagree with. Okay, why, why is that bad? Aren't we trying to provide uh, a range of insight and opinion so that readers in English, we're, we're, we're only an English publication at this point, all over the planet can go, I'm getting an understanding of that side and that dynamic. I don't mean a side politically or religiously, but that side of the world, the Arab world, in a way that I can't find anywhere else. And we need to close. I want to close in prayer for you. Look, I believe that the Palestinian people, I believe they exist 
and Khalil is my friend. I think it is wrong. Wrong. I get. I hear it a lot. Uh, the Palestinians don't even. That that is just a political statement that really has no bearing, and and I, it's it's a sad statement. So I would encourage people not to use it. They exist. They have rights. They have needs. <laughs> They're among the most, if not the most, marginalized people on the planet. You can say, yeah, some of that comes from their political leadership. That's true, but it's not the only truth. So my point is, I think followers of Jesus Christ need to lean in and be the best friends of the Palestinian people. I don't think we have an exact political plan that we know exactly how to fix this thing. Nobody else has figured it out, so how are we going to do it? But shouldn't the church come along and say to our brothers and sisters, at least in Christ, we love you, we will stand with you, we will encourage you. And yes, if you need to have it out with me in front of everybody or in private or online, do, I can take it. And we're here. We love you, and we need to stand with you. And basically, I, I will say this one last thing. We'll close in prayer. When the rest of the world is going in the other direction, I think in, in any situation, but certainly in the Middle East, I think followers of Jesus need to go up the one-way street in the wrong direction to love and come alongside people who feel helpless in the world. That's a terrifying, horrible, painful place to be. And you can ascribe motive to it, and you can create blame. But the question is, these are real people whom God loves. And when Jesus said, go and make disciples of, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the other end of the earth, uh, Judea and Samaria is the Israeli way of saying the West Bank. So there's our mission set. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We're grateful that you love the Palestinian people, that you have a plan for them, that you are step-by-step, shwaya-shwaya, slowly, slowly bringing more Palestinians to faith in Jesus Christ. And you've got a conversation going on in the West Bank and Gaza and among Palestinians who live in the diaspora. What is our way forward? What is our hope? And Lord, you are that hope. You are that hope. And I just pray that you would continue to show the Joshua Fund how we can strengthen our brothers and sisters and be a force for peace and hope uh, among the Palestinian people. Um, And I thank you for Khalil. I thank you for his love for you and how much you love him. I thank you that you're creating an independent thinker in him. You're giving us great advice about how to navigate these issues and explain them to others. And I just thank you for him. And as he continues his graduate work uh, here in Washington, as he uh, continues to write and to speak and to educate others, I just pray your great favor on him and your protection, spiritually, physically, emotionally, socially. Uh, I love him. And I know that you love him. You made him and you've got a great plan for him. Wow. Thank you for this time to be together. And we pray in the name of our great king, the king who's coming to solve it all. And we trust you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wow, what a powerful testimony. And what a great conversation that Joel and Khalil had. If you'd like to learn more about the Joshua Fund, visit our website at joshuafund.com. And there you can learn about what we're doing in the Middle East to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus and how you can participate in the healing work we're doing in this critical region. And as always, you can check out our show notes for anything you heard on the podcast that you'd like more information on. 
For Joel Rosenberg, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.